0: Radio Influence Why Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text crush at 101260 with your questions, comments,
1: or smart ass remarks. Yeah, And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Crushell here. We are your weekly source for performance information, the con man behind the glass keeping us on track. Hey, listen, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. And on all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel, just search out Crush Performance, and we will connect you to the world of performance. Well, today, a really big show. I am joined in studio by our good friend Dave Jameson. Dave, thanks for coming in today. Great to be here, Crush. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Dave is a, of course, former producer, a long history in the world of radio. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I always think that's pretty interesting, Dave, to see how you came around to working in pro sports from radio. And now the, it's been a strange journey, yeah. but it's
0: been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I started out many years ago in Vancouver and, uh, oddly enough, I'd always wanted to work in sports. I ended up doing 14 years, uh, as a vice president of communications and marketing for the Edmonton Eskimos. And, uh, Uh, Now I am here back in radio, but it's uh, it it is I've I've learned a lot about sports and the people in it,
1: and you've also taken on um, a couple other aspects in mm-hmm. your life. And you are the uh, board president of the Edmonton Brain Care Center, uh, which is a, a really important role right now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, obviously I'm very honored to have taken this role. I was on the board, have been on the board for just over a year and was uh, asked if I would like to uh, take on the role of president of the board of directors. And, and and I was invited to come to the Brain Care Center by a couple of former Eskimo or current Eskimo alumni. Graham Bell is on our board and Bob Clark, both uh, gentlemen I know very well because I am an Eskimo alumni and I because of the work I've done both in media Jeff and also working in professional football for 14 years I I I'd like to say I have at least an understanding, if not an empathy, for those who've suffered. And I'm talking in terms of sports here who've, who've suffered a concussion, who you know have have been injured in that way, but also having um, having experienced dementia in my family with my mother at the end of life. Um, and so I you know I come at this from both a personal and professional side of things. and and the brain care center, the work they're doing um is is intriguing to me, and I wanted to support it.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here today because our topic of discussion, of course, is going to be brain care coming from our world, uh, the sport concussions and dealing with the aftermath and the process of a brain injury from sport is really important, but it goes well, well beyond sport. And those two worlds have collided, the the research world, of brain injury, concussion, and of course, the sporting world. And they're really working in unison right now, Dave. And today we've got a couple of very special guests who will join us later on. We'll talk to former pro football player, offensive lineman Kevin Kevin Lesrood, who you and I both have have spent time with in professional football. Kevin has a very interesting story. His career ended early uh, because of head injuries, brain injuries, and concussions. And he is now well beyond his sporting career. We're going to look back and see where he's at and what his life is like, has been like um, after football. And on another note, we are going to be. I'm really honored to have this guest as well, uh, Dr. Uh, Garnett Cummings, former executive director for the Brain Care uh, Center, also former head of emergency at the Royal uh, or at the University Hospital emergency ward. Um, he had a serious brain injury in a car accident, and uh, coming from his perspective, I'm really, really interested to hear what his life has been like and the things he's had to deal with. Dave, getting to where he is today. Yeah, his journey
0: is remarkable, Jeff. I think you and your listeners are really going to enjoy um his story and as much as he's able to share with you today uh dr cummings and i've known him now for a year and had a chance to at least on a level better understand how you know his accident you know how it all came to be and and uh head injuries brain injuries don't discriminate they can it can be as simple as a slip and fall on on a sheet of ice uh it could be something as as obviously uh, catastrophic as a significant car accident it there's really a wide span of things that can go terribly wrong and because it's the brain crush we can't we can't see it you know i mean we can to a degree but we can't you know it affects different people in so many different ways right my concussion or my brain injury may look very different from
1: yours if you and i break our arms they're kind of the same injury the um Brain injuries have been referred to as a process more than an injury. And because that's exactly what it is. And as you mentioned, it's different for everybody. And Dave, um, you know, we've all seen the importance of institutions like the Brain Care Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are, you know, they exist in other cities around the world. And it's a very, very important part of our culture because it's not just the people who are injured who are affected. It's the people around the injured people. And sometimes um, we forget about that side of the story. Oh, very much so. The caregivers, the
0: the the circle of love, if you will, the people who uh, care about an individual who are involved in their lives, they need then to take on different roles, greater roles, because that individual may be going through, They, they their emotions have changed, their their eating habits have changed, their sleep patterns have changed. Um, they may get angry where they once didn't get angry. They may act in different ways. They may sleep more. I mean, there's all so many per- mutations as to how a brain injury can affect an individual and so that has a ripple effect on their their circle of people in their life their coworkers their 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 spouses uh, whatever it may be whomever it may be um, and that's one of the areas where brain care center can help as well there there's the individual who has suffered the injury could be a stroke could be an accident whatever and then there are the people around them they too need education they they too need support and counseling
1: yeah and that's not something you can get out of a textbook. And that's why the Brain Care Center is so and so important. And, you know, to help people go through the process, I'm really excited today. We're going to talk to two people from extremely different worlds who have been through the process. And we're going to go back in retrospect and find out what they've learned along the way. Um, you know, you talked about Kevin in his playing days. He was a special character when he played. Um,
0: an offensive lineman we we should uh, describe you know the position he played in football and Kevin um, is from Viking Alberta he is you know everyone in football is is tough on a level but Kevin would be I would call him old school um, and, and many offensive linemen are very they're very proud they're very strong obviously but uh, they don't take um, they're not often given plays off crush for injury they don't show their uh, weakness right just, and you know that that particular segment of a football team. It's a unique group um, and they play through a lot for better or worse. Right. And they will, you know, some will admit it for better or worse. They yep. will play through uh, situations where maybe they should come out of the game, but it's not inherent in offensive linemen. And Kevin Lesterud is one of the toughest guys I ever worked with, but it shows even the very toughest can be felled by uh, something like a repetitive head trauma.
1: Yeah. And we're going to find out how dramatic that was for him. And it was, you It was very dramatic for sure. David, we look back over, let's say, even the last five years, certainly this last decade, we have learned a lot about oh. concussions and brain injury. A lot of it has been spurred on from the sporting world. Of mm-hmm. course, all the issues in the NFL. But there's been other great organizations out there sort of working in tandem. Oh, we know the CFL and the NFL work in a great collaboration on player safety. And a lot of the research being done in the CFL is supported by and being adopted by the NFL. And being done out of Edmonton. Out of Edmonton. You
0: know, your your friends, uh, Dr. Morazic and Dr. Nadu, are very much, they presented to both the CFL and the National Football League. I mean, they are right at the epicenter of, uh, of the, uh, the research and the science and the, the information that is now being shared across these sports. You know, it's funny, I've, I've been obviously in, in the football realm and now back in, in media, Jeff, you know, when when the movie Concussion, or more importantly, the, you know, the book League of Denial and yeah. all of the, that went with that, the initial response from people within football was football's under attack. And that somehow, peop, you know, these people on the outside that are reporting on all of the things that are going on with CTE and, and concussions somehow want to um, hurt the sport of football. And I would come at that from an entirely different perspective is, no, you're trying to make the sport to the best of your ability safer and make sure that everyone who participates in that sport at any age, at any level, understands the, the, the inherent risks It's okay to talk about risks, right? Absolutely. You know, people still smoke, crush, and we know more about the the negative things that can happen if you smoke, but people still smoke. But at least now on a level, they are
1: better informed and they can make their choice. Well, and that's what it is. Education is going to be the key yes. to this. And we've come a long ways there. And I love it when these two worlds collide. Mm-hmm. You know, the med- the medical world and the sporting world have really come together to push this whole thing forward. And I'm not going to discount the importance of, a- as tragic as it was for Sidney Crosby to lose as much time and to, to be in that risky situation. I think it was, in the big picture, um, a real eye-opener in terms of of how we handle and how we go about managing Brain injury in sport. It was a for me. It was a turning point, a TSN turning point, so to say. And and certainly in the world of hockey. Um, and we don't
0: need to necessarily get into the position of the league right now on concussions. But you're right. Crosby's was the most uh, public and high profile. And since then, look at the return to play protocols. Yes, look, we now have spotters at all the NHL ranks. Um, it's it's never going to end concussions, crush. I mean, I don't think this that this particular injury is ever going to go away in sports. But now. We're better able to manage it. Now you're better able to identify it at the outset and, and then work with that individual as they return to play or to, to better health.
1: Yep, and there's going to be a lot to learn. So anybody who's listening today, if you've known somebody who suffered a brain injury or a concussion in sport or in the workplace or in school, um, there's implications there and we can work together to help everybody through it. And again, that's sort of the role of the Brain Care Center. It's it a is. great, great resource for anybody. If you don't know where to go, the Brain Center is the place to go, Dave. And, you know, we're not talking about just getting our players back uh, healthy and playing again. We're talking about getting people back to work, back to school, but back to some form of a life because yes. this can be debilitating beyond imagination
0: and and crush i had the opportunity to meet two of the uh, clients at the brain care center recently and and they were coming at at their their journeys were very different one individual had um, suffered an accident many years ago and and 20 years after the fact he is still at the brain care center he's part of the community helps other people on intake and and really is almost an educator and a mentor now and the other one was a young woman who'd suffered a surfing accident accident at the board kicked back and hit her in the head had to be medevaced out of the water and you know she's in mexico i believe brought back to edmonton so she goes through the various you know medical appointments and this is not an indictment of, of of doctors at all jeff but you know this is an area not everyone understands what a brain injury might look like so that that this young woman is sort of sent away to fend for herself and it wasn't after six months of searching and looking on the internet she found the brain care center and is now on a path to, I'm not going to use the term recovery because it may look different. She may never return to her former self, but it's now has the necessary support and education and, and guidance that w- whatever the new normal looks like, we're here to help you get there.
1: Hmm, the new normal, Dave. And that's something I think that people need to consider. Yeah. Uh, you may not get back to where you were um, it may wind up being different. It doesn't mean it can't be functional and... It can uh, be managed. managed. It can be managed. Right. And
0: obviously, there's so many different sort of gradations of, of the of the severity of the injury. But at the end of it, you know, helping the Brain Care Center here to help you navigate um, through the, you know, recovery process, you're going to have a lot of questions. Your your family is going to have a lot of questions. You know, is my my spouse going to return to normal? They may... And they may not. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, okay, what's that going to look like in all of the aspects of their life going forward?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're talking with Dave Jamison, the executive director... President of the board of directors. directors, President of the board of directors for the Brain Care Center. And of course, uh, host here on TSN. Dave, um, again, just just such an important conversation today. There are a lot of resources out there beyond the Brain Care Center that are working in collaboration to just raise awareness. And I think I remember it was a conversation you and I had maybe a year ago about uh, the Men's League hockey and walking into the uh, locker room and having a a simple thing like having a list of. The symptoms of a concussion In the dressing room Such a simple Maybe powerful thing That well, we might overlook Sometimes, right? Crush, you and I Having worked in, in pro sports And I can remember a um, Years ago
0: A poster going up In the Edmonton Eskimo locker room And it was the same All around the CFL On how you needed To wear your equipment So if you can do it for that Right right, And and and, and I am a men's league player Not a very good one But we suffer concussions too And actually one of our teammates Did a few years ago And I recall very distinctly distinctly that none of us on the ice knew what to do. This gentleman hit his head on the dashboard, was out in midair and then head bounced off the ice. So mm-hmm. you've got two hits to the head of a guy who, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what kind of shape he was in. He just wasn't ready for the hit. And anyhow, it, it happened. Um, we, as a group really were sort of <laughs> almost dumbstruck as to what to do with this individual. I mean, they're very clearly our steps that, you know, when something like this is suffered that you need to 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 adhere to, right? To ensure that that person is properly cared for and not put in a position where they could do more damage, obviously. So, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate of that, but I'm, you know, also very cognizant of, of uh, things like, you know, wearing a helmet properly, making sure that you're not wearing old equipment. You know, take every step you can to minimize... Um, whatever injury might occur at the same time, understanding that it's not foolproof. Yeah. Right. It's the, you know, and you, I think you recall, Jeff, there was a time when people were trying to sell football helmets as concussion proof. There isn't such a thing, but you can, um, build a better helmet and then you can teach people to tackle differently. Yeah. Hopefully that limits or, you know, it doesn't eliminate, but will el- limit the number of concussions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know that uh, this all comes at a cost as well. And you guys have, I just want to mention this early in the yeah. show here, you guys have a very important event coming up on March 3rd. It is the Magic of Ability uh, Gala. Yeah, for March, March Brain- 13th. March at, 13th. March
0: 13th, Magic of Ability Gala. It's at the JW Marriott Ice District here in Edmonton. Tickets on sale. And you can go to the Brain Care, Care, uh, Brain Care Center uh, website at braincarecenter.com and backslash magic of ability will take you to the place where you can buy tickets. We partner with uh, Spinal Cord Injury and uh, Paralympics and uh, so it's a, it's the signature fundraising event for the three organizations we come together to do this. Uh, last year was a tremendous uh, celebration and really the, the and and I was my first year with the board and I was emceeing the event and so I got to meet a number of the people that have either for all three organizations um, you know just such inspiring stories and, and, and hearing from them how each of those organizations has meant so much to what their life you know for whatever reason they ended up needing the spinal cord injury um organization or paralympics whatever doesn't matter how they got there it matters now what their life looks like is it improving their you know through physical education physical activity Then you're helping them improve their life on that level. In our case, with the Brain Care Center and counseling and the programs we do, um, you know, you're helping them in a different way. All of it comes together to hopefully build, you know, or help rebuild a person.
1: Yeah, great stuff. And again, that's a uh, the big event is the Magic of Ability March 13th. Go to BrainCareCenter.com. Listen when we come back, we're going to talk with former professional football O lineman Kevin Lefsrud about ending his career early due to brain injury. And later in the show, we'll have a very important discussion with Doctor Cummings about um, his return from brain injury. All that and more coming up on Crush Performance. Stick around. Did you guys know that two out of three men will experience some form of male patterned baldness by the time they're 35? Well, there's good news. With today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have at half the cost of your local pharmacy. Yes, that's right. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers genetic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Here's how it works. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. Thanks to Keeps, you no longer have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now you can visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy checkout lines, get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save, so act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. So if it's getting thin up top and you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash crush to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash crush with a K and receive your first month of treatment for free. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and nearly a 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. So guys, go to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash crush and get your first month of treatment for free.
0: Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at CrushPerformance.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, and welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Cruschel here, the con man. We're your weekly source for performance information. Reach out to us, CrushPerformance.com. Questions? Comments, smart remarks, or listen, if you have a topic or something you'd want us to investigate, or if you think we can help you out in some way, whether it's your your training, your development, you have a team, you have a young athlete, get to us at crushperformance.com. We answer every single message we get, and if we don't have the answer, we will find it, I promise you. And we've gone so far because some of the inquiries and questions have been absolutely great. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas, and we love them all. So please do reach out. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, search out Crush Performance. Well, today we are talking a very important topic, brain care. And we just heard from Dave Jamison, of course, of TSN, and the board president for the Brain Care Center, a very important organization in every community. And they're scattered around North America doing great, great work, especially as we gain awareness as to what's really happening in terms of brain injuries in sport and in real life. But the real challenge sometimes is, of course, dealing with and understanding the injuries themselves, but what happens afterwards because it's so, so different for everybody. And today I wanted to just get a little insight as to what that might look like we have some very important people that we'll talk to and right now i'm very very happy to be joined by former pro football player and offensive lineman kevin leftshrew he ended his career in 2007 after a number of concussions and issues that were associated with brain injury today we're going to get an all-important retrospective look at his injuries and how his life has turned out um kevin thank you so much for joining us today
2: yeah, no problem,
1: man. Nice to have it. Yeah, good to talk to you again, my friend. It's been a long, long time and I'm glad you could join us today for this real important conversation. And I know you've been fairly vocal and you're, you're, you're no, um, um, stranger to sharing your story. So I'm glad we could maybe get into it today.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: Great. So, Kevin, going back to those, you know, I was there sort of through that time with the Eskimos when you went through those multiple concussions. And um, if we go back, I think it started in 2005, if my memory serves me right, 2005, 2006, when you really started noticing things were changing a little bit. Is that right?
2: Well, after the Great Cup in 05, um, I retired, um, so I didn't play 06, and um, uh, they basically kind of convinced me to come back with uh, enough money, and um, that was my first mistake. Um, we we played CFL not because of the money, and then all of a sudden I play a game for the money, and uh, karma kicked me squarely in the ass on that one. Um, Shouldn't know come back, but it was still uh, something that I wanted to do. I still had to drive for it, and um, I came back quickly in uh, about a month a half uh, in 07 and um, started playing football again after a, a year off. And um, that probably didn't wasn't the smartest thing. And uh, made it about halfway through the season, and got two concussions in five weeks, and I don't really have any memory. For about a year and
1: a half after that, wow, so let let's go back to that great cup uh, and making the decision to take a year off. Was that decision to retire from football entirely or were you looking for a window of recovery or or what went what 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 was the reasoning behind that decision to step away from the game after that great cup kev
2: It was money. Um, I thought I deserved to be paid uh, more uh, for what I was doing to myself and uh, the amount of effort and commitment that um, an offensive lineman, especially a starting offensive lineman, uh, puts in. And um, the management at that time decided that they wanted to pay somebody a little bit younger, a little bit with less experience. Um, They wanted to pay them the money. And so I'm like, well, I can either go home and farm or I can play football. And so I went home and farmed and then... I uh, busted my wrist and falling off a bin in '06, and so that ended that. And then '07, uh, yeah, they presented a little bit more money, and I said, yeah, sure, why not? And the way we went.
1: Yeah, and there you go. And then, of course, as you mentioned, partway through the season, two major concussions that that at least documented in five weeks, and then of course all those contacts in practice and away from the game, getting ready for the game. Um, it just accumulated. So so what was happening, Kevin? Let's maybe share with our audience, you know, kind of what you were going through after the first concussion into the second one. And then, as you mentioned, a year and a half of virtually no memory at all. Yeah.
2: So the first one, um, it was in BC. Uh, Ricky threw a pick, and I'm the type of person that doesn't like when people try to score on me and um so i took a knee to the side of the head uh i was running flat out and db was running flat out and uh, the, his knee went into my right temple and took my left eye um i couldn't see anything for about 24 hours uh that was one of the scarier ones and then um the second one was uh yeah like five weeks later and um same type of thing i was rolling out trying to keep rookie clean and um i dove at the person's foot his caught me in the head and my head hit the ground in a weird angle and felt like there's 60,000 people in commonwealth right inside my head and um it was kind of a slow fall from there into um, concussions into the full depth of it um I was on a lot of prescription pills for all the other issues that I was having with football and instead of taking time and healing you just pop a couple more pills and keep on going and um that all caught up to me and so uh with everything compounding it's um It became an issue and I had a harvest that I had to take care of. So I wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating, wasn't drinking water um, and really fell into a major depression. And um, suicidal thoughts are right along those lines when um, you're down that far. And um, yeah, it's not a good place to be. So I'm very lucky. I have a very good support staff and a loving support staff around me that kind of took control of my life and got me healthy.
1: We're talking with... Former pro football player, offensive lineman Kevin Lefsrud. Kevin, we talk about those contacts, and you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, you had your helmet on. You're there, and it was head-to-head contact, knee-to-head contact. Uh, though those helmets are there to protect the players. Uh, there's no true, sure-fired way to protect athletes from concussions.
2: Well, especially when it's the athlete that's doing it to themselves. Like it's, I was never very good technical football player I just hit people as hard as I could with my head and so if I was a guy like Leo Grunewagen who he was technically way superior than I was as an offensive lineman. He played with everything with his hands, so he very rarely would get his face mixed into it. Um, I didn't have that ability, so I would just hit people as hard as I possibly could. So I did it to myself, and I'm not the only one to blame. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Hey, Kevin, when you stepped away from the game, you said you were back on the farm, and of course you had the harvest to take care of. Um, were you symptom-free at that time, or were you still having symptoms? Or, or where were you at in terms of your recovery uh, at the start of that harvest?
2: Oh, I was still full symptoms. I probably wasn't symptom-free for a good couple of years. Um, yeah, there's I kind of got out of the fog after about a year and a half, but it's still, like, even after this harvest from hell, um, if you don't sleep very much and you don't have enough water, um, you're right back in it. Like it, I liken it to being an alcoholic. Um, alcoholics are one drink away from being an alcoholic again. Um, same thing with me and my concussions. It's if I don't sleep and I don't get enough water and too much stress and just too much of everything, it, it can go sideways pretty fast.
1: Uh, very interesting comment. You you know, we kind of talk about, uh, Dave Jamison and I were talking earlier about, you know, a broken bone or a twisted knee or a porn, uh, torn ACL. Uh, they're pretty straightforward sort of injuries and very similar from, from injury to injury, athlete to athlete. But uh, these brain injuries, there's no rhyme or reason, there's no set um, um, symptoms. There's no set pattern of recovery. It's different for everybody. Yours is pretty unique, I think, because it's lasted so long. Very interesting that you say more than 10 years away from your career, you're still having episodes where it can come back, uh, in an instant, uh, due to lack of sleep, lack of eating, stress induced. So when, when that happens, Kevin, do you have like, is it like you've had your concussion again or, or what's that like?
2: Uh, it's, it doesn't have the same feeling of like the rawness of a of a fresh injury or a fresh concussion. It's just that you, you're just falling into a spiral again, and it's just work, 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 and your 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 focus isn't on on life and family. It's on getting the job done and being very single minded, and that only lasts for so long, especially when you have a, a loving uh, support network around you that starts to see you fall apart, and they just. But the people just finally, they come to me and go, we have you, go to sleep. We got the situation. And it's very reassuring to have that in a person's life because I push everything as hard as I can, especially when I'm working. I did the same thing with football. So I need somebody to protect me against me. And, (laughs) And that's what my wife does very well. So it's good.
1: Right. Well, you and I have talked in the past. You know, in the game, there's a fraternity among the players. And you guys really, truly do have each other's backs, sometimes for good, sometimes maybe not for good. Let's talk about that a bit because we know through your career and, and some of the players you're with, and I was there, Dave Jamison was there, we've seen some of the things you guys went through, and as much as we all work together to keep you guys safe, um, you guys were working sometimes at a different level, weren't you?
2: Yeah, we were working to keep each other on the field, and um, sometimes hurting ourselves in order to do it. And there's times that we have a five or 15 minute memory um, and your rest of your team knows you have about a five minute memory, but the training staff doesn't. So they come off, they look at you and tell you blue cat car, or the three words you have to remember and come back to you five minutes later, you look at them and go blue cat car and they go, yeah, you're good to go. Hmm. And so you go there and you only have about a five, maybe seven minute memory and you get through it, and then after the game, you're sitting there talking on the phone, it happened to me, I was talking with my wife, and I just started breaking down crying, and Dan Kaminsky comes over and takes the phone, says Kyla, he'll talk to you later, I got him, don't worry about him hangs up the phone, and we're gonna get Kevin away from the situation, so nobody has to see Kevin blubbering away and it's just, the the training staff doesn't have a chance when, when people are hiding it, because you're wanting to play, and CFL we're not doing it for money it's it's just to go and win so that's that's why it it becomes such an issue
1: yeah we're talking with Kevin Leftrude former offensive lineman in the CFL pro football player uh, talking about uh, his life experiences now dealing with uh, concussions and brain injuries from the game of football so Kevin if we go back to your playing days and if we look at what the players know now and what the medical staff know now we've come a long way and a lot of it um a thankfully is is because of the stories that you guys are now sharing it's helping everybody in the game and sport get a better understanding what's happening on the field so these conversations are very important you are now coaching you've been through the game and you're coaching young players um how, how has it changed your approach with these young players and how you educate them in terms of their own safety
2: uh, first thing I do is I don't let kids practice with helmets on. Um, I take the helmets off them immediately and say you can have your helmet for a game, but you have to learn football. And running your head through somebody is not football. Um, I did it, but there'd be no way they'd let me play football now. Um, I'd have to learn the game. And so uh, that's what I'm doing now, teaching the kids how to play the game right without leading with their heads. It's more of a rugby-style game. Um, but we've seen how even the NFL and CFL changed in the last 10 years. Um, it used to be you were able to go blow the quarterback up now it's no touch on the quarterbacks right so it it hasn't made the game worse it hasn't made the game better it's just changed the game and um people adapt and people still come out and watch so um it's changed but it's it's also it's coming back to more of proper coaching and not as physical and if you can get really good technically Um, Healthy kids that know the sport. Um, Once in a while, there'll be some pretty good violent contacts, but you want to eliminate the really violent ones and maybe have one or two to keep the fans happy, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, and we're really, really (laughs) thankful to be more aware of the signs and symptoms, and we have the spotters, and the practice protocols now are all great. Kevin, moving on here, with a couple minutes left. um, You know, uh, moving beyond the game and transitioning into your life now with the farm and, of course, with your, your business as well, How has that influenced you? You know, getting these other things and these other parts of your life together, has that really helped you along your way?
2: Oh, immensely. Um, I've always needed kind of two things to focus on. I had football and farming. Uh, Football got taken away from me. Um, And so then as I was coming through my concussion protocol, my wife figured I needed another uh, hobby or something to keep my brain occupied. And a neighbor got into uh, beekeeping in a big way. So he was paying me in honey and we went, well, we can make mead from it. And so we started drinking mead and realized that we weren't very good at making mead, but we could run the mead through a still and make hard alcohol. So we started making vodka and uh flavored vodkas and um usually that's not the normal protocol for somebody coming through concussions is to get into alcohol like that, but um I did and then uh, after making enough batches where people liked it, the RCMP told me to get legal. So <laughs> I went and got legal and that's uh good. yeah, so now we have a we have a company where I use honey to make hard alcohol and we did about uh, five thousand bottles last year. So we're not big but it's um it keeps my brain occupied, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's helped you sort of keep things on track and keep you busy. That's a pretty interesting Interesting, interesting perspective, Kev.
3: Yeah, well,
2: I'm still on the right side of the ground. So um, as long as I can keep the brain occupied and keep having fun, then um, those nightmare harvests that we've had aren't as bad. So that's good.
1: Yeah, great, Kevin. Hey, listen, thanks so much for sharing your story today. This is a very, very important conversation for parents who have, you know, young players and athletes in sports and also for those athletes who are there who are just stepping into it, to hear somebody who's gone through it, survived it, and to gain a little wisdom. I really appreciate your time today, Kev.
2: Appreciate. It. I don't know if anyone has ever called me wise, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> well, you lived it, man, so we'll give it to you for sure. Thanks, guys. Right, cool crusher. Okay, all right. Well, there is a very important conversation. You know, uh, today we're talking about uh, brain injuries, brain health, and of course, uh, the Brain Care Center. They have a fantastic event coming up on March 13th, the Magic of Ability, uh, and uh, you can get more information there at the Brain Care Center. After this break, we're going to continue this conversation uh, with another great story, Doctor Garnet Cummings of the University. Hospital will join us and uh, former executive chair of the brain center right after this on crush performance.
0: You're listening to crush performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the crush
1: blogs, podcasts and performance links at CrushPerformance.com. Now back to the show. Hey, and welcome back to crush performance, everybody. Jeff Grishel here, the con man today. We are talking brain care and the great institution of the Edmonton brain care Center Uh, Dave Jamison joined us in studio earlier. We also just spoke with former pro football player, offensive lineman, Kevin Lessroot. A fantastic conversation for anybody involved in sport. And to see somebody go through the injuries, Dave, and come out on the other side, um functioning well but but understanding where he's at as well. He's not who he maybe would have been. He might be somebody different but he's functioning and he's aware.
0: Right. He's absolutely got a level of awareness now about his condition and you heard him say that that you know if, if he's overtired, if he isn't hydrating properly, isn't looking after himself, he can have a um, a, a recurrence of 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 symptoms that kind of feel like a concussion not not as severe but he can and the level of awareness I mean you can hear it in Kevin's voice that it's something he manages now on a almost
1: daily basis And he mentioned several times his support group and how yes. important those people are again a big big part of what the brain care center is all about
0: Absolutely it's it's helping not just the individual affected you know by the brain injury itself but also the people in their life because they need counseling and also you know so that they can help in every way possible to ensure that that person returns to something approaching health
1: yeah and stories come from all different walks of life not just from sport and we're very very happy right now to be joined by dr garrett cummings former head of emergency at the university hospital and former executive director at the brain care center dr cummings thanks for joining us today My pleasure. Well, we're so glad to have you on. We just got uh, done talking with Kevin Lefsrud, former pro football player and offensive lineman, who walked us through his experiences and his life after the injury. You also had a very serious brain injury that changed your life. I'm not sure... um, if people can understand what it's like if they haven't gone through it, but it's really, really important to share stories like yours, Dr. Cummings. Maybe if you could walk us through what happened and to you and, and, and how it changed you and the people around you.
3: Sure, I'd be pleased to do that. I'm going to just use a, a, you know, a term that I use frequently when I'm doing public presentations, and it's called a second in time. Uh, one second before my crash happened, fellow ran a red light going 140, uh, I was the chief of the emergency department at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. I was a medical director of the STARS the Shock Farm Air Rescue Service in Edmonton. I was uh, had been previously a hockey coach at Nate, and I'd been a marathoner, run two, uh, 24 marathons in Boston twice. So I was pretty much at the pinnacle of my career. In that one second in time, everything left me, everything. Um, on impact, I literally found myself, at least in my mind, floating probably about 300 feet above the intersection. I could see events unfolding before my eyes, but had basically no input into it at all. Um, I could see, I could actually see the crash site. I couldn't hear voices, but I could see a lot of things happening. And the most interesting thing is I felt absolutely no pain. Hmm. I was in this zone, I'll call it a zone. People refer to it as a white light. I wouldn't use that term, but it was a zone of comfort where I just had no worry in the world. And then after what seemed to me like I was up there an hour, but it wasn't, the snap of a finger, I was back behind the steering wheel of my car in a lot of pain, in blood. And basically the only thing I was aware of was sort of the crunching of metal is to use the jaws of life to get me out of the car. The next thing I really wake up, I wake up is in back in my emergency department at the Alec, where my previous, my staff were actually looking after me. So that was kind of the event that turned my life around.
1: And that is an incredible story. You cannot be prepared for something like this, Dr. Cummings. I mean, I can't even imagine what you and your family have gone through there. But this is a story that's happening more often than we think. And it's one of the reasons that programs and centers and institutions like the Brain Care Center are so important.
3: I agree. I absolutely agree. And, I, you know, the awareness that's coming from y- your show and from the work that Brain Care is doing is, is actually making a huge positive impact on this whole area, I think.
1: So, Dr. Cummings, let's go back to it. And I know this is very difficult probably still to talk about. Um, basically, your life, as you know it, is ripped away from you. Um, you weren't prepared for it. Your family's not prepared for it. Um, what's the next step here for people who might be going through it right now or... God forbid people in the future who might experience something like this. I mean, how does it roll out?
3: Well, with, I think the interesting thing is that I personally was very, very unaware that I'd suffered a brain injury. Mm. I, I was in hospital for a period of time. I came home and I literally was attempting to try and live life the way I always had lived it. So I had virtually no insight as to what was going on. Uh, my wife did, my friends did um even my colleagues really didn't see it um after about a week 10 days i tried to go back to work i can still remember the last patient that i saw but i was so confused walking around the department i should have never been there but i was there because i was in total denial once i realized that i was probably a danger in the workplace i voluntarily left and I, I realized that I needed some help, so I actually went to a lawyer that I, that I knew who was an injury lawyer in town. And it wasn't so much litigation, but it was to try and you know, stick handle my way through this, this, this minefield. And the first thing this person did was to organize a neuropsych testing for me. And neuropsychology testing is done by experts in neuropsychology. And basically, they find out where your deficiencies are, where your injury really is, even though you can't see it. Mm-hmm. And after three days of testing, this person was very blunt and said, you will not ever do emergency medicine again. You do not have the skill set. You have got, you know, there's four areas that I had really serious injury in. Multitasking was one. Short-term memory was terrible. Uh, abstract thought, like the ability to be able to figure out the mechanism for citing fractures and so on. And the biggest thing was that my brain just had so many disconnections that I, I I wasn't making logical connections between things that I normally would do. And based on that, the recommendation from this person was you have to get out of emergency medicine. Well, I thought my life came came to an end that day. And, you know, you have to immediately come home and talk to your wife, about it. And fortunately, you know, like uh, your previous uh, guests, you have to have a strong support system. And that's really the only way I got through this because I immediately went into a shell, I became extremely isolated. I wasn't you know visible in public at all, and I used to public speak all the time. Um, most of my friends um, didn't know how to handle it they didn't know what to say to me, so consequently they didn't show up hmm. so for probably a period of seven years, I was completely isolated, mostly because of what I what I was doing in my reaction to the injury. And then over time, that kind of changed, and brain care was a big part of that, because in 2009, I was asked to sit on the board for a group called the Northern Alberta Brain Injury Society, otherwise known as NABIS. And there was another group in Edmonton called the Edmonton Brain Injury Relearning Society, and they were in the same building, but they weren't working together. And as it turned out, the government was indicating they were only going to fund one of them, so the, uh, the two boards got together and said, maybe we should merge. Well, they did. And lo and behold, I was offered the job as the executive director mm-hmm. for the newly merged group called the Brain Care Center in 2011. And let me tell you, I was absolutely, I was afraid of it. I didn't think I could handle it. You know, there was so much multitasking to go on and so on. So I said to the board, I said, look, I'm willing to give it a go. But you need to understand I'm coming in with a handicap here. I can't do two things at once, I can do one thing. If you think I can do this job doing one thing at a time, you can hire me. And they did. And over time, as often happens with people with brain injury, you actually slowly start to see minuscule improvements. Like most of the improvements occur really, really rapidly in like the first six months to a year. But after that, the improvements are like millimeters. And with the support that I got from the staff at Brain Care and from the board, I was actually doing things in my final year as E D that I wouldn't even think that I could do in my first year. So that, that you know, kind of a that's that's kind of the journey. You know, it's uh, people need to, you know, be engaged with you, they need to support you. Sometimes they need to take a risk with you, and they did with me, and it's worked out for both
1: groups. Oh, such a great story, Dr. Cummings. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Garnett Cummings, uh, former head of emergency at the University Hospital, former executive director for the Brain Care Centre, now a board member, of course. Isn't it interesting, Kevin Lesterud said that, you know, uh, as he stepped away from the game and got really entrenched in his farming, his life was football and farming prior. And when football was taken away, he had a void in his life. So he took on this business that just sort of happened in his life. And he said that really helped redirect him and keep his attention span. It changed his life. It's very similar. I see parallels with your story as well, Dr. Cummings, when you got involved with the Brain Care Center as executive director. Isn't that interesting?
3: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I think that it makes good sense because one of the things that I found after my brain injury is I needed structure. I needed uh, something that I could do where I knew what the rules were. The rules were very easy to follow. Uh, I I didn't have to do a whole bunch of things at one time. It was just sort of almost task-oriented, and I can see very similar. You know, I'd come to work. I had a very supportive staff, and I would try to pick off one or two or three things key during that day but not try to do them all at the same time. And I can see your previous guest, guest was really doing the same thing
1: yeah very interesting stuff, so, with a couple of minutes left here, uh, Dr. Cummings, for people who maybe have gone through it it 's interesting to hear you say that you had so many disconnects in your brain that you probably that you weren 't even really aware of um, but that awareness came around with the help of people around you. If people are looking for help or if they 're not sure where they 're at, do you have any advice for those people?
3: Well, I think the first thing is is to be to be really open with your
1: with your spouse or your partner
3: you know they they know you probably better than anybody else and if you're if you can't sit down with these people or this person and talk to them openly you're, you're going to be in trouble that would be my first thing. Secondly is when you know when help is recommended whether it's a neuropsychology assessment or or, or meeting with the family whatever it is, don't hesitate to do it mm-hmm. you know I think denial is such a big part of this. You know, I can get by this. I'm tough enough. I can do it. But, you, but you're not. And the longer you wait to get treatment, the longer it takes to, to recover, and you never really get back to where you were. So, I think that the second thing is to trust the system, trust the people that are trying to help you, and buy in.
1: sage advice sage advice dr cummings listen thank you so much i wish we had more time we'll look forward to having you on again because this is a topic that's not going away and uh the raising awareness is one of our prime directives for sure uh absolutely fantastic stuff appreciate your time today
3: and Jeff, thank you for uh, for profiling this group. I really appreciate
1: that. Yeah, no, our pleasure, Doctor Cummings. Trust me on that. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. All right, very very important conversation right there from Doctor Cummings. I have to thank Doctor Cummings. I have to thank Kevin Lefsrud for joining us, and also Dave Jamison. Dave again, a big big night coming up on March thirteenth to support all of this. Yes, magic
0: of ability. You can find ticket information, and we do still do have tickets available. It's at the JW Marriott uh, March thirteenth. It's a great night. We're going we're going to watch the, the hockey game after the. The gala is over. The Oilers taking on the Islanders that night. So it's it's going to be a great evening and proceeds to three great organizations, including Brain Care Centre.
1: Thanks for coming in, Dave. If you or anybody you know is suffering from a brain injury and you're not sure, reach out. BrainCareCenter.com. You can write to us as well and we'll steer you down the path. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance.
3: This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer quick fix on
0: Radio Influence. This week, a special edition of City Ringside City Ringside Road Trip. We're road tripping it to Bellevue, Florida. Jerry and I, where I am ring announcing Bang TV, Dory Funk Jr.'s promotion. Rare podcast interview with the dog face gremlin Rick Steiner. We're going to catch up with Dory Funk Jr. We're going to catch up with Leap and Lanny Poffo and talk to Brian Blair about the Cauliflower Alley Club. And then a super rare, can't miss discussion with Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. We finally nailed them down. You're not going to want to miss it. Be sure to tell your friends and neighbors and be sure to subscribe where you
3: can. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.